Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Lorraine Siegel about the costs of poorly managed conflict at work. Lorraine Siegel, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Jonathan. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to talk with you today. This is going to be a fun conversation uh, on a really serious and important topic. We're going to be exploring conflict management, conflict resolution in the workplace, the costs associated with poor conflict management uh, from leaders, as well as some of the pitfalls and how to avoid them and how to go about uh, developing the skill sets and competencies within your people so that we can all just deal with and better manage the the issues and the conflicts and the challenges that we face. Uh, life is messy. Work, you know, workplace interactions can be messy. Conflict will arise. It's inevitable. We just need to know how to deal with it. And I think a lot of times we just sidestep it and we kind of shelf it and we just say, ah, you know, something happens and then you tiptoe around each other and you try to ignore it. I think that's what happens a lot of times in the workplace. And that's a recipe for disaster in the long term, uh, just like it is at home or in a marriage. You know, you, you got to communicate, you got to discuss things and explore and resolve things. Otherwise, eventually it'll blow up. And the same thing in the workplace. So those are all the types of things we will be exploring in our conversation. As we get started, I wanted to share Lorraine's bio with everybody. Lorraine Siegel is a conflict management and communication consultant, coach, and trainer. Through her own business, Conflict Remedy, Ms. Siegel works with leaders and others at corporations and nonprofits, as well as colleges, governmental entities, to promote harmonious and productive workplaces. At Sonoma State University, she's the curriculum designer and lead teacher for the Conflict Management Professional Development Certificate Program. She was recently named one of the top 30 conflict resolution experts to follow on LinkedIn. She is also a contributing author to the book Stand Up, Speak Out Against Workplace Bullying and is a featured blogger at Mediate.com. For more information about Lorraine and her services and to read her blog, visit her website at conflictremedy.com. Again, it is a pleasure to be with you today. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation? Well, just that I was a tenured professor at a community college um, and ran a department for many years and had wonderful experiences there and also awful experiences because it was a toxic workplace. And it was partly what I thought, this, there's got to be better ways to handle conflict. And it directly led me to find my uh, newer, my second career that I totally love in conflict management. Oh, well, that's that's wonderful. And I, I can attest, uh, listeners know I'm a, a professor. Um, and 
you know, universities, colleges, uh, they're, they're interesting places from an organizational perspective because you have a lot of people who don't have a lot of, they have a lot of education. They're very smart, intelligent people, but they don't necessarily have a lot of skill and competency around management or leadership <laughs> who find themselves in roles of management and leadership. And it, it's an interesting beast. It's a little different than <laughs> what you might find yes. out there in corporate America. Yeah. And it's interesting that I, I've, one of my blog posts is called How Conflict Shows Up in Organizations. And I, from my experience, broke it down into three categories, interpersonal conflict, bullying that people don't recognize it's conflict. And the third one is structural issues. Yeah. When the, and I find that, found this at my college, when the lines of authority and responsibility are very mushed together and unclear, that itself is a huge source of conflict. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The the systemic, the structural elements can't be uh, underestimated in terms of the impacts, both positive and negative they can have when it's working well, or when it's not working well, uh, that that will, um, uh, the ripple effect throughout the organization uh, will be tremendous. And so that's, that's a very, very good point. Well, as, as we get started with this conversation, I thought maybe we could uh, first lay out the costs associated with poorly managed conflict at work. There are, there are many. Um, and then we can get into what we can do about it, how we can better deal with conflict and how we can develop the skills and competencies and others so that we can all work more effectively together. That sounds perfect, Jonathan. And I'll just say that, um, I'll, I'll say this again at the end, but there is an article available on my website that's called The High Cost of Conflict, where I go into quite a bit of detail about it. So um, I'll just briefly say and then describe each one, the seven top costs of conflict. So I think that I always like to start with this, actually, because um, if you're someone who's recognizing there's conflict in your organization and that you want the organization to do something better, um, understanding the costs and communicating those to the administration or the CEOs um, even if they only care about the bottom line, and many of them care about more than that, um, if when you really break down the dollar costs um, and time costs of unresolved conflict, it's very high. And it's, it's quite a compelling argument for people who may think, you could, well, they're, they're a high performer, so I don't have to worry about them being obnoxious or, or whatever it is. So um, the top costs, and I'll just, I'm just going to list them and then I'll talk about them. Wasted time, employee turnover, legal issues, absenteeism and presenteeism, violence, poor decision making, and in general, a toxic workplace. So um, uh, managers can spend up to 50% of their time dealing with conflicts. They've done studies about this. HR people, it's often at least one day a week. Uh, even uh, people who don't have a leadership position, who have gotten drawn into a conflict somehow, they can waste a ton of their time that could be done doing something productive, helping the organization. Um, and so it's it's a huge time suck, basically, conflict. And um, can, when, can I just speak to that really quickly? The time absolutely. suck element. You know, I, there's you're, you're you're going through all you know the different costs, and there's many. Um, just the opportunity cost associated with the time, the time suck, as you mentioned, it, it really it it is tremendous. And so many leaders, so many managers, spend 
so much of their time just running around putting out fires and they're kind of like chickens with their heads <laughs> cut off. And, you know, some of that's inevitable. Some of that, you know, things are messy, things are challenging. And so there's going to be some of that that always has to happen when you're in, in a leadership role. But if that's like what you're doing most of the time, then you're not managing or leading effectively and you're not dealing with the conflicts and the interpersonal issues and the systematic issues. You're not dealing with all of those things effectively. And if you focus your time in laying a foundation of mutual accountability and trust and helping people develop good, uh, meaningful relationships and connecting their work to, to their meaning and purpose. And so they can find fulfillment in what they do. If, if you put your time and effort towards those things to lay that foundation, a lot of the like running around with like chickens with your head cut off and the putting out fire stuff will start to take care of itself because people can manage their own day better and they can manage when things happen. And, and there won't be big blowups of conflict within your team because people will know how to deal with it, you know, when something arises. Right. And so that time suck element, it's, it's a trap and it's like a downward spiral. You start to get sucked into it and it's this whirlpool and it's hard to get out once you're in um, because it's, it's just all consuming and you, you get overwhelmed by everything that's going on. But man, if you, if you can stay out of that whirlpool (laughs) and actually establish good patterns with your team uh, then all of a sudden you're going to have all this time back where you can focus on strategic stuff. You can focus on building and developing relationships and skills and competencies of your team and creating and innovating all the things that leaders want to be spending. Exactly. Time doing. And you know, when you said that, I, I can't help but think I, I got hired by a very large credit union to, to help them with conflict. And they had two people from the C-suite, high executives, very much valued, um, who had been embroiled in conflict for 10 years. And there was a new CEO who hadn't been involved in the conflict. And he hired me to basically, I call it putting out fires. You know, here's this fiery thing that's been taking productivity away from these two important people. And I was actually, by coaching them separately and then bringing them together, we were able to resolve it. And I I said to the people who'd hired me, look, if this was flying under the radar for 10 years, then you have a problem with, (laughs) your folks aren't trained to recognize and deal with conflict. Let Hire me, let me do an assessment. Let me come in and train you and help you. And they didn't go for it. They, you know, it's just the fire was out. Everything was okay. Then they hired me again about six months later for a different fire. And I, I was able, I'm really good at getting people, you know, to feel supported and then to be willing to look at what their part is, et cetera. And we resolved it really, really well. And I made the same pitch to them. Look, (laughs) things like this are going to keep happening. Do you want to keep hiring me for fires or would you like to really address this? But, you know, and these were really smart, good people. But they, they were just, they had so many things on their plate and they just went back into denial. So it's sad, though, to me. I'm always about, you know, if you, the more you can resolve things proactively, the more they don't need to be in conflict, the better off everyone is, as you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's get into some of those other costs associated with the conflicts that aren't managed well. And, and let, let us just say, of course, on the flip side, 
when you're managing the inevitable interpersonal um, and structural types of conflicts that will emerge that actually saves you tons of money, Absolutely. right? And it, it will allow you to be more productive. It'll allow you to be more innovative. Um, so the, the flip side is all upside, right? Um, but, but we do want to, to eliminate or at least diminish the, the, the costs associated with the not handling it right. effectively. So what are some of the, let's go into sure. some of those others. And, and let me just say too, that the, you know, that the, um, the cost is like the being able to lower costs and make things better is like sort of the carrot and the stick wrapped into one of why people should invest resources and time into uh, conflict management. So another huge cost is employee turnover. One of the biggest reasons people say they leave their companies is um, interpersonal relationships. It's not that they can't do their jobs or don't know what they're doing or don't even, it's not even that they don't like their work, but if they're not getting along with people, then they start looking for a way out. And, um, and then of course, if people are leaving, all the money you invested in training, all the, uh, the connections that they have, the ways they can interact with people, those are lost. And then you have to do recruiting and interviewing and onboarding. It can actually, the cost can end up being 150% of someone's yearly salary. And that's huge, you know, to lose your good experience, valued people. Um, another is legal issues. You know, we live in a litigious society. Um, people will file grievances or people will file lawsuits if they feel like they've been abused or mistreated or they're angry, which often happens in conflict. And even when um, companies win, lawyers are expensive and uh, people's time and energy plus the money um, is going into resolving those um another issue is um well health issues absenteeism and presenteeism when people you know get a knot in their stomach from coming to work they stay home and they and or they go to the doctor they get sick often there's a lot of illnesses that are stress related and a term, it was, it was a fairly new term to me, was presenteeism. You know, they're physically there, they're showing up, but they're not able to bring their full intelligence and creativity because they're just keeping their heads down or they're fuming or, you know, they're texting their best friend to, ah, do you know what happened today, kind of things. Um, and unfortunately, another cost uh, is violence. Um, if unresolved conflict escalates enough, uh, it results in, you know, it can result in altercations. I, <laughs> I, one of my students told me about a situation where two of these two people at a at a workplace who hadn't resolved their conflict, they ended up in a fist fight in the hallway. I mean, it was just crazy. And um, you know, people go postal that you to use a whole or or whatever. Um, Fortunately, it doesn't escalate that often, but OSHA reports, you know, huge numbers of incidents of violence in the workplace, many of which are completely um, avoidable. Um, and another sort of hidden cost is, and we've been kind of talking about it, but when people, you know, are tied in knots over conflict or when they're scared or when they're feeling abused or not treated with respect, 
um, they don't make good decisions. They're not able to assess, okay, this is the best way to do this project. This is the way forward. They, they're just not able to do that because too much of their energy is tied up in just survival or negative thoughts. Um, and what you end up with sort of is a, is a toxic workplace. And we've all seen them where, you know, nobody likes each other. Nobody wants to be there. Uh, and it's, it's awful. <laughs> and it's a, it feels like a nightmare. And some people have to stay because they don't see other options and other people leave, but whatever. And um, I have seen it where if the environment is bad enough, I call it cloning themselves. You know, people leave, but they hire people who get drawn into the same system or show the same yep. bad patterns of behavior. And it can go on and on and on. Just one example, the, the college I worked at, there were some people there who remembered me after I left. I've been gone for 11 years now. Um, and I, I've gotten phone calls several times. Someone told someone to call me because they were going through the same things that I went through there. And, and it's amazing because I was there a long time. So most of the people who were there when I started, they're long gone, they've retired, but it, nothing's changed because there's no will to change. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, the Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, well, <laughs> that we, we, you're right. We've all been there. We've all been in those, those hostile or negative types of environments, unhealthy workplace environments. And they don't need to be that way. I, I think some people just think that's the way it is. And while it's true, the grass isn't always greener. And while it's true that every organization has its stuff and there's no, I'm not aware of any perfect organization, um, but some are more healthy than others. And there are some that just really, they don't have a clue on how to, to create a more positive, healthy workplace environment. They, they don't really have a clue on how to manage and deal with um, the types of challenges that naturally occur. And it, it, then it just derails so many things. So you really did a good job of laying out all the costs associated with not being able to deal with conflict effectively. Now let's, let's talk about how we actually go about doing it though, more effectively and some of those skills and competencies that are necessary. So for me as a leader, 
I need to have those skills and competencies so I can better deal with the, the circumstances that arise. But if I'm a good leader, I also need to both model and teach and train and and develop my people so they can have the same skills and competencies so that I don't have to like, I don't want to micromanage them and their, their little day-to-day things. I want them to be able to deal with it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. And I I always, um, there's two things I always start with you. Even if I've only got an hour with people or if I've got 12 weeks, like my program, um, one is that conflict is normal. And you, you just said that, that I, and, but I think people sometimes still believe that um, I must have done something wrong. They're a terrible person. I'm a terrible person if there's conflict. And I like to say, look, when there's groups of people, we like to eat, we like to gossip, even though that has its own problems, and there's conflict. So accepting it as normal, normalizing that there's conflict. And that actually, you know, the interpersonal sniping conflict is bad, but there's also a good kind of conflict, actually, that if people have the same shared goal, the mission of the company or to create this great product or whatever it is, um, and they have very different ideas, especially if you have a wonderfully diverse group of people, they're going to have really different ideas and approaches and thoughts. And that kind of tension, that conflict, actually ends up with a better result than if everyone's in lockstep. So understanding that if conflict also has a positive aspect, if you can do more to eliminate the negative parts is, is a start. And can I I just, can I just piggyback on that? So absolutely. um, You know, we often will call that healthy conflict, right? Because it, it avoids groupthink. It allows you to get diverse perspectives voiced heard and actually, um, you know, it, it enhances the decision-making capabilities of the team uh, when you have that kind of healthy pushback, you know, a psychologically safe environment where people know that they can speak up and speak out and push on each other, recognizing that, you know, everyone's going to be better off for it. We're going to have better, more thought out decisions. We're going to have better solutions, et cetera. So that, that is, we definitely want that. Um, that's, you know, the healthy kind of conflict, uh, and it's, that is going to be there in any organization. Um, like you said, though, we want to diminish the, the unhealthy stuff, right? Yes. Yes. And actually I'll, I'll just say this might be a tiny bit out of order, but in my 12 week program, um, one of the last weeks I call a vision for the future. And it's all about, okay, here they're, I'm teaching my students these skills that we're going to be talking about as we go. And, but then the, this last week of content before they're doing evaluations and you know, their own little projects um, is what would it look like if an organization was truly proactive? And I sort of have a traditional model <laughs> and a more you know, um, innovative, cutting-edge uh, uh, model of what that looks like to inspire my students to to go forth and try to create that in their own organizations because that is that is the goal yeah so um what I like to I've seen different figures on this depending who who's being quoted but I personally believe that 90 percent of conflict is internal so the the leaders have to start by doing their own work 
you know, what, um, what trigger, and I talk about emotional triggers, people can say or do something little that uh, has a, you know, we explode, or we, it has this huge impact on us. And, and we don't recognize that it's because it poked something from the past. It's not really what was said then. So we think they did something terrible because we're not looking at um, our own history. So I, I talk about emotional triggers. I have people look, the concept of story is central to it. There's, there's neurobiological research that um, we don't remember what happens we encode a story and we remember the story we tell ourselves about what happened. So that's why eyewitnesses or two people in a conflict can have such different perspectives on it. Neither of them are lying. Usually, you know, there are some people who lie, but that's a small minority. It's just that they told themselves and then remember a different story, emphasizing different things that lit up for them. And so when people start looking at that, which is inner work, um, they start understanding that, you know, okay, I'm the protagonist of my story, but you're the protagonist of your story. Sometimes one's in a horror movie and one's in an action thriller, you know. <laughs> and I actually, in one of my classes, I have a slide of there's a, um, a very old Japanese samurai movie called Rashomon. And it, it was one, I used to love those and go see them in rep theaters. This was even before there was streaming and things. Um, and it's the first movie I know of that tells the exact same story from three different perspectives. And it's very powerful to understand that, that you're not doing things to me. You're walking your own story for the most part. So things like that are very powerful. And, and I, then I start asking, I said, okay, so how do you find out their story? You can, you can guess, you know, use your empathy. And you can also be curious and listen. And, you know, listening gets talked about listening with compassion, listening to understand, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a simple concept that's, you know, it's been around forever, but it is immensely powerful. And uh, I add that you, you have to be willing to listen first. And my clients and my students will say, why should I listen to them? They're the ones that did this and this and this and this. And I say, you're here with me. You're in my class. You're my, you're my client. Therefore, you know more than they do. And with greater knowledge comes greater responsibility. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Lorraine, I, I, I'm looking at the time and I, I'm cognizant of, of uh, uh, the, the time slot and I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I, I, this has been a lot of fun and we've really only scratched the surface. So I think what we need to do is I need to have you back on so that we can continue the conversation. Uh, but before we close today, I wanted to make sure I gave you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about uh, your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Okay, very good. Well, I do want to remind people that um, in terms of the, the high costs of conflict, if you go to my website, I have a website, um, conflictremedy.com. And uh, if you scroll down the first page, you can sign up for my newsletter. I write a blog every month about these topics. And as a, uh, you will get uh, automatically the article, The High Cost of Conflict, which I think is a really useful one. 
So the newsletter and my website are good ways um, to connect with me. I have over 130 blog posts at this point. So spending some time looking at them um, might be useful. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, uh, you mentioned the book I, I contributed to on Stand Up, Speak Out Against Workplace Bullying. It's 23 real life stories of people who were bullied and mobbed. And I tell my story in there. And um, yeah, and in terms of the, the final word on the topic, you know, um, conflict management skills are absolutely learnable. But just like anything else, it's not like you hear my voice for five minutes and you learn a new concept and then you're handling your life and your conflicts totally differently. It, it's progress, not perfection. And I, you know, the ways that we're used to connecting, the ways that we're used to handling conflict are like neural superhighways. And I, I like to say that when you start trying to do things differently, it's like a little tiny animal track in the woods, you know, that <laughs> you can get lost and find. But if you keep walking on it, it gets to be a better, bigger path. So not to expect perfection or instant change, but being committed to changing how you relate to others, how you listen to them, how you manage conflict. And it's, I've seen miracles. Wonderful, wonderful. Lorraine, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Lorraine can do to help you. And as always, I hope you all can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.